time for the SBL shoot around, and we got the women's competition covered with Giants all-time great and two-time coach of the year, Randy McGill, joining Chris Pike for all the latest news, analysis, and interviews. Let's go on another SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode here of Women's SBL Shootaround. As you might have noticed last week, we got stuck into this new project with SBL Shootaround with, with the men's program with Ben Etridge, but that's not. let's make sure we don't forget about the, the women's side of things. And, and like we said on that first episode, there might not be an SBL season to talk about, but that doesn't mean there's, there's not plenty to talk about. So without any further ado, let's get stuck straight into this first episode. I'm Chris Pike, the co-host, but the man that you're all here to hear from a man that went tantalisingly ever so close to to bringing bringing that elusive championship to the manager of Magic in his in his terrific stint as a head coach, and that was on the back of everything he did as as a player in across three different different states, as it turned out. Randy Meagle, he's the star of SBL Shootaround now. How do I find you this evening? Yeah, very well, thanks, Chris, and yeah, thanks for having us on board. And uh, yeah, what a period we've been going through. So uh, a lot of changes um, to everyone, you know. Uh, but uh, thanks for inviting us on. And yeah, looking forward to talking about basketball and and all those different things that go with it. Obviously, when we first talked about doing this show earlier in the year, we were looking forward to, I guess, dissecting everything about the SBL season and. As it would be now, we're almost into June, so we would be pretty much what ten rounds into the season now. Yeah. If we if everything had gone to plan, it's mm. fair to say things have been a, a little a little bit a little bit different. But um, there's still you know in the basketball world, there's still plenty to talk about. There could be some sort of a competition that pops up at some stage that we can dissect. But even if there's not, there's plenty of you know current and former players to talk to. There's 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 a lot of things for us to talk about, so there's plenty of reasons for us to still do this show. Yeah, that's what I, I think too, you know, and uh, when we first uh, uh, decided to do the podcast, Chris, you know, we're going to have every every week, we're going to have something to dissect and talk about and all that type of stuff, and we, you know, we'll bring guests in and, and uh, have a listen to their stories and, you know, but with this with this happening, you know, we've got to refocus on, on what's going to happen and, you know, uh, you know, what's going to move, what we're going to do moving forward with the SBL and whether there's going to be any action or anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, we've made it easy. You can get in touch with us through a host of social media accounts, and it's pretty simple. Just type in SBL Shootaround, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or, or Instagram, and you can interact with us. And, and certainly, if you've got any feedback or questions for Randy that you want to send through any given week, we'll be sure to bring them up on the show. And, and we, we want our listeners to interact with us here, so just check us out on any social media account. Type in SBL Shootaround, and we look forward to hearing from you, but also... We're not here to make money out of this show, Randy. We're doing it for the love of the SBL because it's been a big part of both of our lives for a long time and we're passionate about it, but it does come with some natural costs and things that we need to try to, try to cover. Um, there's a lot of people out there with passion for basketball. If anybody wants to sponsor our show and partner up with us, I'm sure we can come up with something that makes it makes it worthwhile. Yeah, please get in touch with us with, with everything. The questions is just, will be really good, you know, fun questions, any sort of questions you want to throw throw on myself and, and Chris. And, uh, yeah, the sponsorship, like Chris said, it's not for the money. It's just to keep things going. And, you know, if we can get through this season, uh, you know, and uh, iron everything out, then the next season is going to be, you know, really, really good, uh, you know, moving into the into the SBL season. It was looking like a fantastic uh, women's competition this year coming up. And uh, no doubt uh, the clubs and coaches behind behind the scenes are starting to work work mm. into into upcoming for next season and possibly you know something happening later in the year mm. now in terms of getting people to interact with us is there anyone who's if their name pops up and i told you they've sent you a question that you would be really worried about is there anyone that you would is there anyone that you would, would, would really throw you under the bus uh, possibly a few of the old teammates in Kalgoorlie have probably got some dirt on me, <laughs> uh, I would say. Um, you know, not really. I mean, my kids and family probably come up with a couple of uh, tricky ones to, to answer as well, but uh, nothing's really going to phase me. I'm quite happy to have some tricky questions thrown at me. Um, so, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we talk about what it, what everything that's happened with COVID-19 in terms of a basketball sense and an SBL sense, what has it done for you personally 
What has it meant for your life at home and what has it meant for your, for your, for your life at work? Yeah, well, I've been in a situation where uh, we basically, well, the job that I, I, I do is where we service the hospitality industry, which was, you know, severely hit and um, is slowly starting to get back on its feet. Um, I think uh, the 8th of June, we're looking at uh, increasing the numbers to 50, you know, with the restaurants and yeah. the hotels and stuff like that. For people who don't know, I'm a, I'm a warehouse manager at a, a liquor wholesale company. So anyone that's basically got a liquor licence, uh, we supply. So the, uh, the retail industry has been really, really strong, um, but the on-premise stuff's obviously died, but that's starting to pick up. So for me... Um, Things haven't changed a great deal work-wise. Um, what I've seen is, you know, other people around me that it's that affected um, with the ISO stuff. So, yeah, I think individually everyone's got a different story. You speak to a different person in a different industry and, you know, it's affected them in a, in a different way. So for it, privately, I suppose it's just given me time to um, maybe do a little bit more stuff around the house, mm-hmm. um, you know, declutter my house, mm-hmm. sit down and watch a bit of Netflix. Netflix and mm-hmm. probably what the majority of people are doing. You can probably tell by the lines or Bunnings <laughs> that how many yeah. sort of people were keen in doing yeah. that type of work. Yeah. So, for, for anyone that doesn't know, and we will use this first episode to dissect your career and go in depth about your life in basketball a bit later on. But but briefly, you started your basketball life in Adelaide. That took you to Queensland. You ended ended up over here in WA and playing at, at in Kalgoorlie, the Goldfields Giants, where. You ended up being named the the captain of the the 20th anniversary team, so you obviously made a significant impact there. You went on to coach the Giants, and obviously more in more recent times, you coached the Mandurah Magic to two grand finals, and you were two-time SBL Coach of the Year. You've had both both your kids, Casey and Chad, play in the in the SBL. Um, it's fair to say basketball has been a pretty big part of your life. Yeah, it has. Um, probably right from the word go. You know, from a sort of 12 13 year old growing up in in murray bridge which is you know about an hour out of adelaide um so most of the uh sort of friday night um was spent in adelaide playing in the equivalent of a wobble competition mm-hmm. right through my juniors um played state for south australia through 16s and 20s and played spl for for Murray Bridge, felt like a bit of a move, so I went up to the to the Sunshine Coast. What better place could yeah. you go? Fantastic place. Um, played for the Sunshine Coast Seagulls for two years in the Queensland State League. They're now defunct, and oh, they aren't defunct. They've had a they've had a name change. They called the Sunshine Coast Clippers. So that was a really fantastic experience, just to travel throughout Queensland. You know, as as far as your road trips go, you know, they were they were big. They were to Cairns and Townsville yeah, well. and Mackay and um, all those bigger cities throughout Queensland. And then I got recruited to go um, to Kalgoorlie, which um, really interested me. Um, I sort of been in the sun and the and then and the surf and stuff, and then out in the middle of the, the mm. desert, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was a challenge, and I was really up for it. I didn't know what to expect, and um, what I expected was a lot lot better than what I actually thought. Mm-hmm and uh, fell in love with the place. Yeah. So ended up playing, um, I think it was six or seven seasons up there, which um, was really good. Uh, team become quite successful. Uh, although we didn't win a championship, we got very, very close. I got a, an offer to coach the team after I uh, decided that I'd had enough through uh, a few different things. Struggled a little bit with injury. Mm-hmm. Back in those days, um, I don't know whether anyone knew what osteopubis was, mm-hmm. but uh, sort of had that lingering around for quite a few years and couldn't get on top of it so I was getting frustrated with 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 uh, how I was playing and stuff like that so I decided to, to um, go the other way in coaching um, done that for a couple of years that was a difficult period for the Giants in the fact that they had some really established players mm. that all basically moved on at the same time and we brought a, a crop of young kids through mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoyed yeah. some of those guys had pretty good careers uh, young Ryan Hume he won a couple of championships with the with the team uh, Brent Hobber went over and played in the NBL and had mm. a good career over in, in, in Victoria so there were a couple of guys Wayne Creek, yeah, obviously the leading shot blocker. Yeah. As he, he reminds you any time you talk to him? Uh, he used to terrorise me, <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Um, yeah, some of our practices were, were quite funny. Mm. Um, yeah, so Wayne was in the mix and, yeah, we had a we had a solid team, but it was a big change from, from the more experienced guys that we had and 
I had the opportunity to to move to Perth uh, with work, and I'm still with my current boss. Yep. So I've worked with my boss for uh, since 1992. Wow. So it's a pretty long stint. And then sort of stepped away from basketball while the children were growing up. Moved to Mandra, and then uh, as the kids grew older, I got involved with Mandra through Wobble. Mm-hmm. And coach under 12 boys, under 14 boys, mm. under 18 boys, under 16 girls, both D-league sides, mm-hmm. probably for a stint of five or six years. Was assistant coach with Jason Chalk four years yeah. with the men, which I really enjoyed. I learned quite a bit off Jason and some of the players in the team, your Taylor Lands and Aaron Trahairs and you know, Josh Lees, Tommy Remiswell, Taylor Mullinax, all these guys had a lot, lot of knowledge, which you know I, I absorbed, which was good. And then this opportunity came up uh, to coach the girls and I felt I was ready to take another role on. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I got to. Yeah, that's a fascinating <laughs> story. There's, there's so much to dissect. We'll do some of it later later in this episode but you know we've got plenty of shows here yeah. on SBL shoot around so we'll 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 run through that whole journey and 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 hear all the stories you've got to share as we go along on this journey um, we'll use the second segment on today's show to talk about the cancellation of the SBL season and what it means and the ramifications of that and everything but just quickly do you feel like there's still a chance for something to pop up it must be really tough for the players right now who had gone through the whole pre-season, played at the, at the Blitz, and were ready for the season to start and then had it taken away from them. Is there still a chance in the coming months, do you feel, for some sort of competition to pop up? Yeah, I think there'll be some sort of competition. Whether it's in a SBL format, I'm not quite sure, you know, how it will work. I think some clubs possibly won't be interested for a number of reasons. Um, you know, it'd be it'd be great to just, even if they could get one round through or come up with something like north of the river versus south of the river split it up into some conferences um that would be really really good that would probably need to be backed by the SPL and they might be able to just play SPL at Bendat Stadium on a Wednesday night or something like that that would that would work I'm sure you know the travel wouldn't be an issue Southwest Slammers probably would find it very difficult to do that type of thing everyone else should be all over it I'd, I'd like to see a tournament played possibly on something like the September long weekend and not even necessarily with SBL clubs it'll be Mm. good to see you know an open championship maybe for some sort of prize Uh, the girls might be able to play with their friends you know some girls from Williton might want to play with some girls from Prairie Lakes Mm. and you know put their name up there and have have a really good tournament that would be good to see and I think a tournament like that could actually continue on even during the SPL season that's that's what I'm thinking that would be a a really good thing I mean I know the teams that get to the finals sort of finish you know that first week of September but some of the the girls haven't seen action for you know six weeks or whatever and they're still in pretty good nick and you know that would be be something that would be really good I think Absolutely. You've got a daughter who was preparing to play another season for the Mandra Magic. How she how she handled this this break? Um yeah, she's struggled a little bit. I mean, she keeps the economy going. <laughs> uh, I think that that age group um, probably found it a little difficult. They're the, they're mm. the people that use the gym. Yep. Uh, they play sport. They go out. You know, they're busy. Yep. Um, so that sort of age group, 18 to 25, possibly probably found it quite difficult. Um, Casey was pretty pretty fit, and she'd been working on a few little niggles she'd had. She had some problems with her shoulders over the years, and she got into the. the the gym at Sweat Co Fitness. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that again, Chappie, if you're listening, Sweat Co Fitness. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so she was in good nick, but uh, yeah, she's uh, probably just waiting to see what's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Have you been working her out in the driveway, or have you been trying to keep her sharp? No, I don't see her very often anymore. She just pops around normally on a Sunday for <laughs> for roast night. <laughs> yeah. Just finally in this first segment, um, have we seen the last of the SBL? Will do you, in your eyes? Will we become aligned with the NBL one competition next year and and would have this year been the last SBL season that we've we would have seen yeah I haven't really read into the benefits of yeah. joining um, the NBL one I'm not 100 percent sure I haven't been all over it um, I think the exposure for Western Australian basketball would be great to align with them and you know I've always thought that uh, you know having the opportunity to play in a few different states and seeing different levels of play it would be good to see you know that the South Australian teams go up against the WA teams etc all the way through and I think it'd be a nice reward for the teams that you know do win or the teams that come runner up whether they were going to you know send one or two teams to a, a national championship at the end because I think that that's something that's that the, that's, come that's the plan yeah that's the plan yeah no I think that'd be that'd be great yeah yeah
Okay, moving on here on women's SBL shoot around, Randy. Um, let's talk about the actual decision behind the SBL season for 2020 being cancelled. Um, back when it was first announced that it was postponed, straight after the straight after after the Blitz, I'd seen plenty of basketball over that two week period. At, at the Blitz, I was pretty excited for for the season to to start after after what I had seen, and then all of a sudden, I think it was only a matter of two days before round one was meant to start, at least in the men's competition, with a couple of games in that first first round, that the de- decision was made to postpone it. What was your reaction at that time? And did you feel like at that stage there was still a chance that the season would restart at some point? Yeah, it was it was a weird one because I was always um, thinking that it, it was going to be called off. Mm-hmm. Um, then when it did get called off, it w- was a shock. And then as the week, sort of the next week rolled on, things started to change. The government had made a few different announcements and stuff. And I sort of thought that maybe it was a little premature then. Mm-hmm. So I was going back and forwards. But, uh, you know, safety, safety first, um, there would have been a lot of um, headaches, I'd say, at the SBL trying to move forward with it with stadiums and limitations of people yep. on the court and score benches, etc. So yep. I think it was a good call in the end, uh, yeah. As it did drag on, did you feel like they had exhausted every opportunity at BWA to try to find a way to make it work? And in the end, it just wasn't going to be feasible either from a financial point of view, just because there was no way of making any money when you can't have people coming to the into the venues. And even if the players agree to pay for free, there's still going to be costs with the venue and with referees and, and with everything. Did you just feel like there was just, as hard as they might have tried to find a way to make it work, there just wasn't going to be a way? Yeah, no, I think the decision was, you know, they would have had um, <coughs> numerous boardroom, boardroom meetings etc but uh, to try and get everybody on the court but um, yeah like you say there's just too many hurdles to for it to happen so I think the decision was was really good you know it's the I think the wobble season's got a starting date if if, if I'm it correct does, yeah. yeah so you know maybe if the SBL could start when the wobble starts if that can that can happen and like I say maybe one round or something like that and just coincide with the wobble would would be good but uh, yeah there's a lot of different hurdles for SBL to the to the wobble yeah yeah even if players like I said agree to play for free even if everyone's happy to play a season without without imports um from my point of view I just feel like the fact that no one's allowed to come into the building um so not only can they not pay and help to cover the costs no one can actually see it. So mm. I don't know if we would have got to a point where we could have streamed every game, but even even still, I don't think as many people would watch a stream as would go and watch a game a game live. I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like you would have been playing almost completely behind closed doors and, and playing... Would have they let us in? Well, maybe not. No. <laughs> so no. I, I feel like if they played, they would have been playing. <laughs> they would have been playing invisibly. Is, is that would that come into the thinking? Oh God, that would have been yeah, that would have been difficult to play with no crowd. Yeah. For sure. I mean, although you know, once you get into the game, it's probably pretty similar to when you're scrimmaging at practice. It doesn't yeah. really matter who's who's around. It becomes a you know an individual challenge or a, a challenge as a team to beat the opposition. So it would have got motivated as the game went on, but mm. it'd be difficult playing with with no crowd for sure. Yeah, having having been there for the the NBL Grand Final with no crowd at, at Perth Arena, <laughs> it was a strange feeling. It, it, yeah. was, it was really hard to feel like that was an mm. there was an NBL championship at stake. It just, yeah, as hard as they tried to make some sort of make so, some sort of environment and tried to make as much noise as they could, it was just it was really hard to feel like you're watching anything except a scrimmage. Which for a normal SBL game, it would be would be magnified even more. And it'd be hard to from a player's point of view to get motivated beyond I guess your personal your personal drive to to try to beat the guy that you're going up against. Yeah, well that's what I sort of noticed when I was, was watching those finals is it did actually take a, the players a while to get into it. Yeah. 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 They were they were slow off the mark and then uh, the adrenaline and everything kicked in and, you know, there was they were they were into it. But yeah. Um you know, and probably not a lot of coverage um for the for the girls or and the men as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I don't I don't know, it just the motivation factor would have been quite difficult. Um what what would it mean for the players? How would the players be feeling? Like I said at the start, they've gone through the whole preseason, they played out the blitz, they're ready to go for round one, and then the season's taken away from them. How tough would it be for, for the majority of the players right now to know that they would have been right in the middle of the season, smack bang in the middle of the season right now, but instead they've they've had no busk? Yeah, I think it would be an individual thing, and I'd also look at different age groups too. You know, I think the younger kids, when I say younger, I'm going to say something like 22, 23 and under that are really striving to make their mark in the SBL or even the WNBL. Um, you know, some of those girls like you know, um, Jill Williams and... Mm. 
Taya Burrows, etc., that have you know been on the fringe there at WNBL, yeah. they would have been you know ready to really make an impact this year, or that's sure. been taken away from them. So you know how they you know keep motivated. Um, then you get the age group. You know, which I'll say between 22 and 30, who maybe have got other things in their in their life, jobs, um, whatever it may be, they might have just lost total motivation and going to find it hard to get back. And then you might have those uh, veteran type players who are either going to one way or the other find it, you know, good for their body to maybe get out a few injuries, or they may lose total motivation as well. So I think across um, all the different ages, they're all going to, you know, react different to yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point about the players potentially playing for WNBL contracts, and you mentioned a couple of them there, and I guess there's, you know, girls like Georgia Dennehy and Maddie Allen and Nashaya Williams, and right across the board, there's a heap of them who would have been hoping to have really big SBL seasons to guarantee themselves of a WNBL contract. Um, I guess they're, in a way they're not disadvantaged because there's no other competitions being played mm. across the country either, but if you're some of those those women now who otherwise would have used this time to knock down the door for a WBL contract, how do you how do you put your case forward to, to try to get that contract when you can't actually show it during games? Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure how they how they can do it. Mm. Um, it it's a, it's a hard one. I mean, I think all those girls would probably you know be scrimmaging yeah. um, at the moment, but then you know not in in front of anyone's eyes. Mm. They just got to be, I suppose, ready to go once trials start and and the season starts and basically just um, start afresh, I guess. Um, I suppose it's really similar too for a lot of those junior kids who are getting ready for national tournaments sure. that only really get one shot at it. Um, I'm not sure whether it's the 16s or 18s that would have been playing in the last school holidays, but yep. they would have been up and about and, yeah. you know, sort of their one one go to put their name forward at this particular time uh, to sort of have that taken away from them as well. So they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and go through the whole process yeah. again next year. So I do feel for those, uh, those young kids in those state sides. You mentioned it before with some of the veterans as well, and I guess because you're a bit closer to the Mandra Magic, we can use them as an example. Let's just hope that it doesn't mean we've seen the last of someone like a Casey Milo or or even a Bree Clastorny who's got married this off season. So I guess mm. I guess she's Bree Mullinax now. Yep. Let's hope that some of those veterans, not just for Mandra, but right across the league, let's hope that they can find a way to stay motivated, but also I guess the other parts of their life don't take over the time that they had found for basketball. And let's hope they can find a way to come back. Yeah, I I think with those two girls, I think we may see both of them back I'm not 100% sure I've briefly spoken to Casey I ran into her on one of my bike rides she lives right on the the beach there at Mandurah and uh, I cycle past her house quite often and see her and Ben and the kids out playing ball and I've stopped and had a chat to her and she had a little bit of a little lop to help her through so yeah I think she's enjoying the downtime and you know what her work the work that she goes through so I I think that uh, she should be ready to go with Bree I'm going to say that she will play but I, I I don't really know sure yeah. Um, what I wouldn't mind doing in future episodes is going through how the clubs were shaping up with you for this season and giving some thoughts on how we thought they might have performed and maybe we can we got twelve teams to go through, maybe we can do four each week and then at the end of that we can, can go through and, you know, maybe pick who we thought would have finished in the top eight and yep. and pick a potential champion. So we'll start that next week and and, mm. and that might be something to, to draw draw some interest. But off the top of your head, who did you think was shaping up? pretty strongly for this season yeah well, i've done a bit of homework actually getting yeah, ready for, yeah. yeah for the for the um podcast and sort of had the squads lined up and went and had a look at the imports mm-hmm. you know online and see what they could do and stuff and you know i think the wolves were in a pretty good position just to have charles there for his second year and he'd recruited well they were really strong across the board yeah. with a lot of depth um so up there and, and you know obviously rockingham were going to be tough they were bringing the majority of their squad back so yeah. they're just two um I think Dion uh, at his second year in at Sterling, mm. they, they would have been would have been good good again. Craig at Mandurah, so there's heaps. You know, I think the, the the Rockingham and Wolves stand out, and I think you could throw blanket over probably six teams to be honest. Yeah. Um, that's what I was getting excited about. It was looking mm. like a really strong, even competition. Yeah, and, and I guess we looked at it before we before we finish this segment and move on to a focus on your basketball journey. One of the reasons why we wanted to do this podcast was to after you had a year out of the game to. 
might just recharge a little bit. This was going to be a way for you to stay involved and have a, have a really close involvement in the in the league still. Yeah, well, I'd sort of been told by an old coach, you know, don't stay out of it too long because um, very hard to get back in. Yep. Um, I, I thought I was in a good position to make comment on, on the league, yep. even though I'd had 12 months out. Um, I still knew the majority of players and, you know, scouted the majority of the players. So, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, put something back and also um, obviously keep keep myself interested in, in basketball. So it was a fantastic opportunity. Okay, we'll keep moving here on women's SBL shoot around and rather than have a special special guest phoning in or, or joining us here for this first episode, I thought why not make our co-host Randy Meagle our, our special interview subject because he's got a hell of a basketball journey to talk about and we might not get another chance to actually sit down and go through his his life in basketball in this sort of depth later on once we do start having having other guests on the show. So that's what I wanted to dedicate this segment to. I know you're probably not overly comfortable talking about yourself, Randy, but if you can if you can bear with me. Why don't we start with, well, it's almost two years ago now. You put together a really successful stint as coach of the Mandurah Magic. You, you took a team, I guess in my eyes, you might have seen it differently, a team that was just a finals contender and you did well to, to get to the finals and you built them into a real championship threat and a team that, gee, if you had a bit of luck, you could have won two championships. <laughs> you, 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 were, you were that close in both grand finals. You, you did everything you could accept, I guess, get over the line. You couldn't have done any more as a coach. Um why did you step down at the end of 2018 in the end and how close were you to having done that, I guess, a year before? Yeah, well, I was going to step down the year before um, and they actually advertised for the job. I just said to the club, I need some time to think about whether I want to go around and, again. But in the meantime, they actually wanted to put some feelers out. So mm-hmm. they did They did uh, do a few job interviews. Um, I decided I wanted to go. I think it was the way to go. I mean, the girls were still hungry and everything was in place to have another crack at it. So I said to the club, yeah, I want to, I want to go around. Mm-hmm. But um, when, win or lose, I'll step aside. I think five years was enough with the girls. Um, you know, I was listening to Ben's podcast with the men and, uh, you know, he mentioned about a, a three to five year window to build a team and I'd done that and uh, can sort of see that with, with a lot of the teams. You need to be there for, for a while to, to, to get everything in place and get your structures in place. So, yeah, and I, I just thought the girls needed a little bit probably a different voice I'd squeezed everything out of them so that was the reason wasn't any animosity between anyone so I just stepped away um, at that time how proud are you of what you did in that five years three grand finals you were two times coach of the year um you deserve to be proud of it um I assume you you are proud of what you did yeah I really enjoyed the journey it was it was really good and you know we had a lot of a lot of ups and downs um whether you remember we we obviously got a new stadium built yep. so we actually played out of Rockingham uh one season which was really testing we couldn't we couldn't train on our own court. We were using one of the local school yeah. gyms. So the, the girls just a, a tough bunch of girls, and um, you know, yeah, I'm, I am really proud of what I what I achieved, and also you know the friendships and and that that I've built with the club. Mm. Do you see yourself having any sort of a coaching future? Is it a possibility that you do coach at some level in some way again? Yeah, I've been asked this question a few times. Um, maybe um, go back to kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I really enjoy doing that type of stuff. You know, I've done that with with uh, you know, with the wobble kids in Mandra, so you know that would be that would be a nice little start again. Maybe not the real little kids, but you know, sort of a sixteen to twenty age yeah. back, something like that interests me. That's straight right back. What are your first memories of playing basketball? I assume it was in in Adelaide and. And coming through the, the ranks there, what, what do you remember? Um, yeah, well, probably we never played on, we used to play on concrete. Yeah. So we had two tin shed concrete uh, courts in Murray Bridge. And just the growth of basketball during that time was you know, amazing, you know, through the through the mid-80s and uh, late 80s and stuff like that. Um, NBL-wise, you know, I'm, my idols were sort of the 36ers players in, in Al Green and Mark Davis, Daryl Pierce, these sort of guys, you know, James Crawford and that from the, from other clubs. Um, in the NBA, it was um, sort of the Lakers, 76ers, mm-hmm. Celtics clashes with Dr. J and, and Larry Bird yeah. and Magic that you to be on TV, yeah. you know, early on a Saturday morning. So that was that's going way back, probably showing my age. <laughs> 
but also the friendships. Um, we had a uh, bunch of boys at, that I grew up with in, at Murray Bridge and one of my um, fondest memories is we actually won a couple of state high school championships mm-hmm. and went on to compete in the Australian high school championships mm-hmm. where we lost the grand final in one of them. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> no, um, yeah, unfortunately. Um, but we, you know, we just uh, play with your mates, yep. you know what I mean? Because lunchtimes would be up to the basketball courts, mm. you know, recess time. And we'd done that for years. Yep. So that was a really, really good memory. It's fascinating to hear you talk about the, your 36ers heroes growing up because I, I do a show for the Adelaide 36ers with Scott Ninnis. And a couple of weeks <laughs> back, we had Brett Maher with us and we picked our all-time 36ers first and second teams and all of those names you mentioned you know Al Green and, and Mark Davis and Daryl Pierce and, 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 and obviously obviously Brett were all names that featured in, in the teams that, that we picked it's just funny how the how it's a small world that you grew up playing against someone like a Scott Ninnis and here we are both doing a show, a show together yeah well Scott Ninnis used to terrorise the <laughs> shit out of me yeah. I was a poster child on numerous occasions <laughs> so um, yeah that, that, that actual time I think the 36ers were called the Invincibles or something mm-hmm. or the uh, regarded as the, one of the, the greatest. The team, I think, still considered probably the best NBL team of all time, just about. Yeah, so they a lot of those guys, or actually all of them, I, I would say, played state league. Yep. So you did rub shoulders against those guys. But the depth in in South Australian basketball at the time was was really strong. They had a, another side called the Adelaide Buffaloes, mm-hmm. um, who went and went on to win the Siebel mm-hmm. title as well. So their team was was strong as well. And actual Scotty Ninnis was in that team mm-hmm. with uh, Andy Simons and Graham Cubank and a few other guys that uh, couldn't push their way into mm-hmm. the 36ers squad as well. So that actual state league competition was really strong. Um, from what year did you play state league in South Australia before you got the call or got the got the desire to head Move. to the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, between uh, probably 86, 87 through to 90. Yeah, so it was a different setup over there, which was pretty exciting. They've got like a relegation mm. type system and uh, we come through Division 1. We finished top of Division 1. We played the bottom team of the state league mm-hmm. and beat them. Yeah. Which then pushed us into sure. into state league, which is a really good concept. Yeah, it is. yeah. I think that's something that could work here. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, you know, give some of those um, smaller clubs an opportunity if if, if they can yeah. financially afford to, you know stay in the SBL. It also gives you a reason to continue to fight if you're if you're having a terrible season, I guess, not to throw them under the bus, but like an East Perth Eagles the last couple of years, it gives you something to fight for, you know, to stay in, in the, the second half of the season yeah. because you're fighting for your future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, the move to the Sunshine Coast. Yep. What was behind it and how quickly did you, did you settle into into that different lifestyle? Um, the main reason was probably to get a little bit of exposure, yeah. um, maybe put myself out there. You never know unless you have a go. Um, when you mention that, are you talking trying to break into the NBL? Was that was that yeah. your goal? Yeah, yeah, trying to break into the NBL. Um, I sort of thought, you know, I wasn't too far off. Uh, Townsville were coming into the competition yeah. um, the following year, so they actually played uh, with their NBL squad yep. uh, the year that I was there. And and then you've had you had the rollers, yep. the Gold Coast rollers down on the, the coast, and the bullets were obviously still there. Yeah, and towns were were about to come into it. So and Cairns weren't far away. No, so I guess the Cairns Marlins team at that time was probably similar to what the Taipans turned into. Yeah, Cairns weren't really good then. No, they weren't okay. <laughs> no, okay. but he was saying that. I mean, it, they were they were a good side, but they 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 weren't successful. But sure. we used to have a uh, triple road header, and uh, it used to be Townsville on a Friday night, and then you used to drive out to a place called Air. And the team called the Burdekin Wildcats, yeah, okay. and then you'd uh, fly up to Cairns and play them on a Sunday afternoon. Wow. And so yeah, that was pretty tough, sweltering yeah. heat in Cairns on yeah. a Sunday. So um, yeah, interesting times. Mm. No one had ever done that. Uh, we come in and beat Townsville on the Friday night, mm-hmm. and they were sitting top. And we knew we were going to beat Cairns because they mm. were sitting bottom on the Sunday. So yep. all we had to do was get Burdekin mm-hmm. um, on the Saturday night, and we got beat. <laughs> so yeah, so <laughs> uh, fond memories, Burdekins. Uh, um, airs are right out in the middle of basically nowhere yeah. um, and they just got a small tin shed out there um, the whole community get around them and the, the, the noise yeah. in the atmosphere in that stadium is, is unforgettable pretty parochial I guess yeah. on, a, on a smaller scale to maybe what we experience in Geraldton and Kalgoorlie yep yeah, 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 I'd say the same yeah, yeah. 
So how many years did you spend spend there? Uh, just the two. Yep. Yep. Uh, which was a, a great experience for me to get away from, mm. you know, living uh, in Murray Bridge yep. and you know having the same environment and yep. getting out of my comfort zone. I thought I played well up there. Both seasons we made the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a different final set up there where they play. Um, a finals four weekend. So one plays four and two plays three on the Knock Friday out. night, knockout, and yeah. then the championship game is decided on the following okay. night. So that was really good. I, that mm. was you know, do or die. Now, up until this point, unfortunately, we've mentioned the losing grand finals. Had you won a championship in Adelaide in the State League? or? Yeah, we did. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, we did. We did win one. It wasn't, um, it was with the relegation yeah, championship, yeah, yeah. but that was um, still something that I was really proud of. That's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I have. <laughs> good, good. Okay, now. Who recruited you to the, the Goldfield Giants? Um, Jeff Williamson. Okay. Um, Jeff was from uh, Queensland Basketball. He got a coaching job in Kalgoorlie. Yep. And I actually hadn't really met Jeff and didn't have a lot to do with him in, on the Sunshine Coast, but he obviously had watched me play and sort of thought that's the sort of player that I'd like to bring to Kalgoorlie. So he gave me an offer and the Giants gave me an offer to go over and play. Now, like you said, you didn't quite win the championship, but <coughs> in those four or five years when you were at your peak, you went close, you were part of some really exciting teams, you were playing good basketball yourself. It must have been must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of... Um, it was really good to sort of... When, when I first got to Kalgoorlie, our first season we were 4-20, and 4-20. and 20. Two. I can't remember how many games we played. Um, we had some really um, good young kids, mm-hmm. and we all stuck together. And next season we made the finals. Uh, I think we might have won nine games, and then got blown out by Geraldton in in the, in the first quarters, which I think Geraldton was sitting one or two. Following year we got to 15 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, 95 we got to the grand final yeah. where we played the Slammers, and then we sort of sat around 16 and 18 wins for yeah. 96, 97. Um, 96, we were in a really um, tough game. We went to game three in Geraldton in the semi-final. That uh, you know, I think it was a six-point game or eight-point game. So yeah, there was we we were around the mark for probably four or five years, which was really exciting. The crowds were were really good in Kalgoorlie. We had a lot of lot of support. Yeah. Now looking through the stats, it's I think it says that you play you didn't play in 1998 and. Yeah, so you didn't play in 90... No, you didn't play in 99, but you played one game in each of 1998 and 2000. Was that while you were an assistant coach? Yeah, we had a little bit of trouble like yeah. <coughs> with some injuries and stuff like that. I didn't get on the court. I just suited up. Okay. Um, thank God we didn't go down to, to number 10 or whatever. So, yeah, that, that was, that was mm. the reason, yeah. <laughs> now, becoming a coach, when did you first think that the coaching game might be... Might be for you. Um, probably as probably as I got towards the end of playing, you yeah. know what I mean. I just seen things and I thought we should be doing this or mm. you know this is not right. We should have tried this. And you are always having conversations after games anyway with your teammates or your family and friends, and you know you just discuss it over yeah. over a, a drink. You know, sit there and say what we could have done or whatever. So that's probably you know one of the reasons I just thought that I could do it better, maybe, and put my hand up and uh, once again through my myself in the deep end. Now, in terms of your lifestyle up until this point, I don't think you can probably get three more different places than Murray Bridge where you were and then the Sunshine Coast and then and then Kalgoorlie. Did you find yourself enjoying the lifestyle in, in Kalgoorlie? Yeah, I did. Yep. Um, loved the people there. A fantastic place to for young families, everything there. I just think the community just backs you in 100%. Mm. Uh, the first ones to tap you on the shoulder if you've done something wrong, yep. but they're the first ones to congratulate yeah. you. Very honest people. Um, I just think with the family life, I think the kids probably get to the teenage years and they've got limited opportunities in in what they need to do so they sort of tend to move away um, for whatever reason sporting academic Um, but yeah I don't have a bad word to say about Kalgoorlie Um, it's a great place and if you know any people want to try and pursue their career or um, have a different taste of a different life or a different type of basketball environment then you know Kalgoorlie is perfect. Do you think it's worth pursuing a women's team in there? Could, could that work at some point? I know, yeah. I know it's been tried there and in Geraldton previously. Yeah, um, I couldn't see why not. Um, some people may tend to differ, but um, I, I couldn't see why not. But the talent that's come out of that yeah. town is is amazing, you know, with um, Darcy Garvin and Absolutely. Jacinta Bourne. There's Mackenzie Hoycard. She's yeah. out of K Tucker, I'm pretty sure, yeah. from Kalgoorlie. Um, going back to Lisa McLean, who's mm. a younger, oh, not younger, older lady that... Uh, I don't know, but um, I think 
and I've probably missed a few as well. Yeah. You know, send a question through if I have missed. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> so, I'm sure someone will let us know. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, and that's probably still producing some fantastic women's yep. players as well, you know. I've seen them play D-League a couple of times mm-hmm. um, last year. And, yeah, they've, they've got some pretty talented yep. kids. Your two years of coach there, I think basically it was life that took you away from Kekaloo to come, come closer to Perth. But did you feel like you were starting to build something over that two-year period? Oh, good question. We're trying to think back now. Um, we did make the finals yep. on, on the in the uh, in in my last season, and it was I think one of the years where they split the SBL up into conferences. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you know we 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 did have a we did have a um, competitive squad. Um, I just yeah I. I I would say yes, just because of, like I said to you, the younger kids being Ryan Hume and, and Brent Hover and these kids were really starting to you know, put their hand up and yeah. Creaky was maturing a little bit more as yep. far as, you know, you know, big guys get better as yeah, they get yeah. older. So yeah, they, they were building something. When you look back on your time in Kalgoorlie, to be part of that 20th anniversary team and if you have a look at the, the names that have been involved in the Giants over the years, it's, it's a remarkable group of players when you look at some of the imports that have come through and some of the, the, the local talent. Is that one of your proudest moments? to be named in, in that team yeah definitely yeah I know, I know exactly what you're talking about and uh, to get firstly get picked in that team and then to get named captain yeah. was just um, an amazing amazing thing um, you know then I'm sitting right alongside guys that had won championships mm. and um, those guys we've all got a lot of respect for each other I can remember I think the Giants lost the grand final in 2004 or 5 mm. I can't think back then but I know Seamus and Mark were Heron were up there yeah. at that time and I can remember Mark coming over to me and basically saying sorry to me and sorry I let you down you know I'm like well just go back and do it another year you know and they did so I'm really proud of the club for for finally getting the win you know and all those guys you know Doc Earl he's Mm. still living in Kalgoorlie he's a bit of a a legend around the town the imports of you know some of the imports have come and go Uh, I think Michael Haney may still be in Perth but the Australian boys you know they they were all fantastic players so um, yeah that was a good strong 20 year team and it'd be great to see you know some of the other clubs yeah, start to recognise some of their past players or, yeah. you know, do something similar like that because uh, it's really interesting to look back and mm. on those type of things. Now, once you left Kalgoorlie, did it, did it take you a little while to... I guess get work your way back into basketball again. Did you take a bit of a break from the game when you first moved down to Perth in Mantra, or did you were you involved from a juniors level straight away? No, I, I, I did take probably five or six years off okay. um, to concentrate. The kids were younger. I needed to concentrate on my job. Yep. Uh, that was the reason that I'd, I'd moved down here. Um, then got involved in in wobble. Mm-hmm. And started seeing a few familiar faces every now and then come through and started talking basketball and stuff. Um, and then. Uh, Jason was Jason Chalk took yep. over the uh, the men's position. Um, Jason played in those successful Slammers teams, um, which we had a fantastic rivalry against. I uh, you know had a lot of respect for each other. He just asked me whether I'd think about it, and to sit there and be on the bench there for. A couple of years and slowly, you know, learn and mm-hmm. get back into it is probably what um, where the passion started to build again. Uh, and like I said previously, just some of those players that were playing in that team were, were really good to talk to about it. And then I just I just learnt and then sort of Chalky's ideas and the guys that I talked to and, of course, my ideas into yeah. practice once I took over my own team. When did you then start to think that you'd want to be involved in the women's side of it? And how different is it coaching a men's team to a to a women's team and obviously to do it as successfully as you did for five years it must be something that agreed with you yeah well, I'd watch the girls play you know beforehand yep. which is something that I'd missed you know in Kalgoorlie yeah. they didn't have a women's team so didn't see any women's action for you know eight or nine years and then being away from when I moved to to Mandra, you know, not involved. That was another six years, so mm. I sort of hadn't seen any women's yeah. basketball for quite a long time. So yeah, I just seen those group of Mandra girls, and I thought, yeah, you know, these girls would be really, really good to coach, mm. and uh, yeah, grab the opportunity straight away. It was an amazing team to then take take over, and obviously Casey Milo is at the centre of everything when you think of the whole history of the Mandra Magic. Um, did you strike up a pretty good relationship with her pretty quickly? Yeah, I did. Yeah, we we got on on quite well. It was we've we've never been had huge conversations, Casey and I. It's just she does basically she doesn't want to be treated any different, and I don't mm. treat her any different. You know, as far as sometimes managing her with certain drills, you know, mm. she doesn't need to be doing some of the drills that uh, others are doing. Yeah, just a fierce competitor, and uh, as far as a motivation type thing, you don't need to motivate Casey. Um, so. 
and really good with any player as far as keeping them uh, focused, not only um, in their basketball development, but also in their life. Um, she was a really good mentor for a lot of the girls in, in what they wanted to do outside of basketball. You coach some amazing players. I mean, not only Casey, but you ever look at the leader and role model that Rachel Helene is, and obviously she's gone on to be captain, the Clastorny sisters and the whole Clastorny family it has just been remarkable for everything everything to do with, with Mandra basketball. You look at some of the imports, Nikki Gilday was 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 amazing. Um, Jinka Paluzna was a was a character that you coached to a, to a grand final there. You bring in Carly Bogue, there was it's just some amazing players that you ended up coaching. Yeah, I was lucky the club backed me in. And, you know, sometimes you can you know, not have that backing by mm-hmm. clubs, but they were fantastic and it let me recruit those players, yeah. you know, and they were all, all really good players. Uh, you forgot Anita Brown, by the yeah, way. Yeah, of course. Um, but you raged the leans and, and the local girls, just fantastic role players and, mm-hmm. you know, bleed for the club. Uh, every club's got them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, the girls that I coached are no exception. They're really, really good role models and win at all costs. Didn't like losing at all. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Now I'm going to delay the agony of talking about the two grand final losses to another show because we've 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 covered plenty on this first show already, Randy. But what I'd like to get your thoughts on five years in in Mandra coaching the Magic, mm. two grand finals, two times coach of the year. Aside from the obvious of a championship, could have you asked for much more from from that stint as a coach? <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> I suppose when you when you step back and look at it, obviously to win win one, mm-hmm. I think would have been the icing on the cake. Yep. Um, I think those girls deserve to win one. Take nothing away from the teams that that beat us either you know no, but I think yeah one would have been a fitting for the efforts they'd put in mm. you know over a long period of time I'm not just talking you know I'm talking my five years but you yeah. know the other girls have been going at it a little bit longer prior to me getting there as well but yeah I'm I'm proud of of, of that type of, of that time yeah was it difficult for you? Last question in this segment, and, and then we'll unfortunately come back to the grand finals another day. Was it tough for you to watch last year, watching the, the team? Obviously, Craig Watts did a, did a terrific job, and he was named coach of the year, wasn't he? So yeah. he obviously did, mm. did a great job and took a team that was almost falling apart halfway through the season, but ended up, I think they were probably the, one of the best two teams in it with Rockingham. It just it was unfortunate that they had to meet so early. In, in the playoffs so he did a great job but having had such a bond with that team and having done such a great job as a coach was it difficult for you to watch them play knowing that so many of the players were girls that you coached and, and I guess they were still doing a lot of your things but you couldn't you couldn't have any sort of an impact on it your daughter was still out there was it was it difficult for you last year to watch them yeah I didn't think it would be but it was and I'll be perfectly honest because basically that was my team but the reason I moved on is I think the girls needed to hear a different voice and be motivated in a different way have different structures given to them try and bring out something else that I couldn't bring out I mm. suppose to see him at the start of the year and in the situation they were in where they were losing games and, and, and struggling a little um, you know Craig had to make some pretty tough calls through the year um, he probably got an import that he didn't get anything out of what he expected mm. to get out of which was probably weighing on, on him a little yeah. bit as well but they fought and back and then the second one that was a, proved to be a tr- bit of a troublemaker by I guess last year maybe not when you coached her but by last year she was <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, funny. Uh, no comment. <laughs> um, but he he um, rallied those girls and the girls as they are um, got together and made a run at it. And like you said, they ran into Rockingham. So and there's no shame in in losing that. You know they went on to win. So um, to answer your question, yeah, it was was quite difficult. But I really wanted to try and stay out of everything as well. I didn't want to talk about anything. I get a lot of people coming up and saying, "What's going on here? You know, what do you think should be happening here?" Mm-hmm. And you know that I never got into talking about what should be going on or yep. Craig's not doing a good job yep. or whatever that wasn't what it was it was just to sit there watch the girls watch my daughter mm-hmm. have a night out and um, let them go to work but uh, um, so yeah I, I think it'll be better it'll be better this year yep. or next year <laughs> um, to, to go in, in there and watch it. When we have a discussion like this where we do talk about your whole life in basketball so far what is it what is how does it make you feel are you are you pretty proud of everything that you achieved as a as a player and coach and that's certainly not to say that there's still not more that you can yeah i, I am proud because playing wise i know i'd basically given everything i could um played you know like i say in in those high level south australian state leagues and, and state teams and then went out of the comfort zone and done well in queensland and I, I played well there and you know and i'd done my best in in kalgoorlie you know so um player wise i could 
wouldn't really um, say that I didn't give 100%. Probably towards the back end of the Giants years, 96, 97, 98, I sort of, uh, I didn't lose motivation. I, I did lose a little motivation individually to, to strive for certain stuff. It was a lot more, you know, I'm comfortable with my role. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I've done. And the friendships that I've, you know, I've got throughout the states that I played in and also, you know, different people that are in different states and whatever are, are lifelong. And I think that's the most you know, enjoyable thing about, uh, about the journey. Okay, wrapping up here on this first episode of Women's SBL Shooting Round, and I've had a lot of fun, Randy, sitting here chatting with you, and looking forward to what we can bring bring to our listeners in future episodes. There's a lot of a lot of women that you 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 coach, coached, obviously at Manager we've talked about, and coached against, and some fascinating characters that you coached against over that that five year stretch as well. Um, is there anyone in particular that you'd like us to to speak to? Is there anyone you're really looking forward to catching up with during this show? Uh, I'd sort of written a few names down. I'd like to, you know, delve back into the into the past and maybe uh, talk to a few of those ladies that forged their name early. You know, yeah. someone like Shelley Boston, who um, she'd be good to talk to and get her journey. You know, she's won a medal in Commonwealth Games for England, so she'd have a, a really good story. I would like to, wouldn't mind talking to Darcy Garvin to see where she's placed at the moment. And I think fantastic career she's had coming from Kalgoorlie and mm. also, you know, coaching against her. So yeah, there's there's pot players at the moment, and also you know past players, and some of the young girls coming up, yeah, that'd be good too. And even some of the guys that I've played against or coached against would be really good to bring them on board. So yeah, that I'd like I'd like that heaps. Um, you've heard enough from me. Um, I'm not a great one to talk about myself, and, and but if we can get some good um, people on the show, then they they can do the majority of talking, Chris, and we can we can um, just <laughs> yeah, and and similar to how you feel, the less people. Have to hear from me then then all, all the better better as well yeah there's no reason we can't delve back into your past as well and whether it's people back from your adelaide days from mm. from your sunshine coast days or your kalgoorlie days is there anyone that you would really love to catch up that you might not have spoken to for you know 10 15 20 30 years uh it'd be good to speak to maybe calvin earl doc sure. earl i haven't yeah. spoke to him for probably 10 or 15 years we might be able to get him on and yeah. and uh have a chat to him uh, a couple of the old players that i played against we can write a few names down mm. i suppose i you know ran into to Dan Hunt last year and we started speaking about some games that we played against yeah. each other he'd be really good to have a chat with he's got a fantastic story I'd, sure. I'd presume um, Vince Kelly he'd be mm-hmm. good to get on I think yeah. Vince could talk about his playing career and also he's you know watching his daughter play SBL mm-hmm. which is really similar to, to myself so I mean there's just so many different people that we mm-hmm. can we can hunt down and, yeah. and yeah. hopefully they'll come on board because that's what it's all about is yeah. just promoting basketball and getting people to tell their stories because um, they've been some great ones out there. Might even reconnect with Scotty Ninnis as well and see if he can tell you about the days that he did used to run rings around you as well. So uh, he, we'll, probably, we'll, he probably can't even remember me. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, 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 he, he can pretend anyway. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, terrific first show, Randy. I think it's gone well. Hopefully everyone has enjoyed it. And like I said, next week we'll have we'll start catching up with some of these people that we've talked about. Mm. We'll have a special guest on board and we'll start to analyse how the teams were looking this season as well and also give an update on the way things are shaping up to have some sort of a competition this season. As I said at the start, get in touch with us at SBL Shootaround in our social media pages. We'd love to have you on board as a listener, as a as someone that sends through questions or indeed to partner up with you as a sponsor. But that's all from me for this week. I'm Chris Pike, but the star of this show is Randy Meagle. Let's see what sort of last words he can, can end this first show with. Yeah, well, thanks very much for the opportunity once again. But I think it's a opportunity for everyone to get on board and um, really, you know, make this work. So, yeah, send in the questions. Uh, if you're interested in some sponsorship, please make contact with us and uh, we'll do our best to uh, make it fun. Uh, hopefully I'll be a little bit more relaxed. I was a bit nervous doing this. I've never done anything like this before, so hopefully I've come across okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I want to I want to be relaxed, have fun and uh, listen to other people's stories about their, their basketball journey and, you know, uh, that's what it's all about.